Welcome back to another episode of Bit and Peach Pod. In a recent episode with Krishna Ista, I asked a very important question, and that question was, is snacking inherently trans? And I have great news. The, the people have spoken, and they have determined that yes, snacking is very trans. And so I have a gift to all of our trans, gender non-conforming listeners. Here is a snack for you. It is the size of a bitten peach, and it's in the form of this episode of the podcast. Welcome in. This is the Queer Asian Talk Show, where queer Asians do what we do best, which is be queer and Asian and talk about things. I am here as always. I'm Shay Shay, the Japanese American writer, director, producer, whatever. And in the pod with me today, I have another Asian, as you might have guessed, who hails from one of England's spawn. England's spawn being America, Australia, Canada, other portions of the Commonwealth that weren't able to um, break free, let's just say. <laughs> and um, our guest is a music maker, a DJ, one of the, you know, important members of the collective Eastern Margins, which is a sibling collective to the Bitten Peach, championing, championing Asians, making things in this crazy world of ours. Please welcome in to your earlobes, it is Jax. Hi, hello. Oh, what an introduction. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. So I kind of already, uh, I, I, I disclosed, I doxed you, basically. <laughs> I told the listeners that you're from one of England's spawns. But I, we have to note, you're not there at the moment. So I'd no, love to know. And uh, it's, it's a question that I'm sure you've heard before. I bet you get it a lot. A lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Definitely. And that question is, ooh, it's my favorite question. It's, um, <laughs> but where are you really from? Yeah. Well, maybe by my accent, people could figure it out. But I feel like I've also lost my accent a little bit because I haven't been back to where I'm from in like four years. But I'm from Australia, the colony down at the bottom of the earth, the giant island of what's, what's Australian? Like gonna say racism but the more positive things as well like kangaroos and koalas and stuff uh-huh. um but yeah so i'm from australia and my parents are both from china so i've like i guess i would be yeah, a chinese australian that's what i would say so you haven't been back to australia in four years yeah is that by choice or by circumstance um, for the first, like, three years, it was by choice, um, just because I was in Europe, I was in France, and then I was in London for two years, and then I was supposed to go back, um, September last year, because my, like, UK visa expired, and I had to go, because the UK makes you leave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I tried to go back, but Australia closed their borders to their citizens, like, even their citizens for the COVID. It was, like, I think they were only letting in about 200 people back yeah, a week really, or Yeah, it was really, really slim. I yeah, recall yeah, this yeah. And then I had, like, five flights cancelled, and I was just Ugh. like, well, wait, am I allowed to swear on this? Yes, swear, Shut please. Okay. That's why so the yeah, people so are like, here. <laughs> I was just like, well, fuck this. Like, I'm not going back to Australia. I think deep down, I didn't want to go to Australia. So I kind of just like blindly moved to Berlin, hoping for the best. Uh Ah, yes, as many people do, blindly 
move to Berlin, yeah. crossing your fingers on a hope and a prayer. Yeah, pretty much. You just move here and you hope, like, okay, hopefully I can find a flat. Hopefully I can find a job. Hopefully I can, you know, learn some German or try and understand it. Not that that's going particularly well for me. But that's also a choice. Like, I, I'm, I'm choosing not to learn German. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so move to Berlin. And then, yeah, now I'm here. I'm not sure if I'm going back to Australia ever. Well, not ever. I have to go see my mom eventually. Um, but I'm not sure when I'm going back to Australia because I do plan on trying to come back to London soon. Ooh, it, like yeah. come back to move or come back to give everyone a kiss? Um, a bit of both, like kisses, hugs, all that kind of stuff. But I am trying to get a like a longer work visa. I have even... Ah. Yeah, the thing with moving to Berlin, I never thought this would actually happen, but I study cybersecurity now. I'm sorry, <laughs> what? Yeah, so I, I study cybersecurity. I'm learning to be a... a I'm learning to defend computer hackers by becoming a hacker myself. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? So I had a hack network last week, and that was pretty interesting. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, my God. I feel like that is, like, very Asian. I know, right? Like, my parents will finally be proud of me. Yeah. Like, hey, finally. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I also feel a bit, like, almost, like, like very science fiction-y as well. Because I'm like, ooh, I can be, like, a hacker by day and, like, a DJ by night and, like, oh you know, make, God. like weird electronic music as well so that's just gonna go with my whole character i guess um so yeah i'm hoping to move back to london with a cyber security job by the end of this year whoa whoa <laughs> so what was the impetus to become cyber was it was it that uh, that uk campaign where they were like retrain reboot go cyber <laughs> oh my god i remember seeing that i thought thinking like that was absurd and hilarious i was like who would ever do that but no it was actually um i think it was well first of all i don't know if you've seen the movie hackers that came out in like 1995 i mean i know what film you're talking about i feel like they even made a sequel but i've never seen it it is, like, really good just for, like, aesthetic purposes. Everyone has the best outfits. Like, it's, I use it as, like, my fashion info. So, um, so yeah, I just, like, it was that movie that got me, I guess, interested in hacking. Um, I've been doing my course, and it's actually nothing like the film. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's actually a lot of work and a lot of kind of studying computers and stuff like that. But I figured... I think it was, yeah, the pandemic, I realized, I, like, you know, DJing and music stuff not particularly stable. I would like some sort of stable type of like career maybe and I used to be really into science I have a zoology degree so um that was fun and then I didn't end up pursuing that so I figured maybe I'll just like you know break into the tech industry because oh my god but yeah I'm already seeing your future where you're going to be like hacking the DNA of animals and stuff I can see it I can see it Yes, I'll come up with what was that show again? Like Animorphs or something? I'll just I'll oh make my god, that happen. Animorphs! <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the book covers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it was like yeah. the worst photo editing ever. Sometimes it was so rank. But wow, you know, I never read a single one of the books, but yeah, I remember well. loving the covers. Yeah, oh. yeah. I used to go to the library and pull out all the books and just look at their covers. I've just never read it though because I just yeah. had no interest. <laughs> the thing is, you know, they tell you not to judge a book by its cover, but let me tell you, those covers. chef's kiss (laughs) definitely definitely so when you decided when you were in the uk to move to berlin i'd love to know what some of the thoughts that went through your mind of course it was a pandemic so like thought processes were probably a little skewed but i know so many people that have made that move 
the London to Berlin move. And I'd just love to know a little thought about it. I mean, it's crossed my mind once or twice or maybe a hundred thousand times. But yeah, see, a lot of people move to Berlin, especially like people from Melbourne as well. Um, that's mm. where I'm from in Australia. Like so many of my friends, in, especially the music scene, even like my ex, like actually my whole friendship group, they all, most of us moved out to like Europe. Most of them went to Berlin had a few, you know, had some fun, and then, like, went back mm-hmm. to Australia. To be honest, I, I, I'm kind of, like, hating it a little uh-huh. bit in the city, like, a lot, actually, and I think, and then, like, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I never really wanted to move to Berlin. Um, it was literally because borders are closed in Australia. I know being Australian, it's fine yeah. to get into Germany, and it's fine for me to get a working holiday visa. I know, like, I knew that was certain, that I could at least stay to be honest i I, um i'm like i was interested in i'm interested in music but the berlin scene it's not happening right now no yeah exactly and i'm also it's very like you know techno oriented and i'm just like not really into that it's just like Mm -hmm. an hour of that is okay but six hours no thanks or a whole weekend yeah i don't know how people do it it's like how like like i'll never be able to party like that again like try something else so i think when i was moving to berlin i was very stressed but i just knew that the city was okay like rent wise rent's okay food and stuff cost of living is decent i know the Uh wages are okay as well the room sizes is what always blows my mind like high ceilings oh everyone we're getting a view look at that bedroom my this is your bedroom there's like a living room space yeah there's a couch i have two desks two i have one desk for study and one for makeup and then there's like a mirror and stuff like that wow. and then yeah just wardrobe for wow. 50 euros a month in- and that's utilities included whoa my god I know. see that's what people move for exactly my yeah space pretty much so space. i figured like i don't really want to be in the city but i know the city's comfortable i know like you know you get most things that i need and i do have like quite a chill life here so kind of yeah kind of glad i came in a way i love how earlier in the question you were like i'm kind of hating it but you ended it with i'm glad i came i need to like constantly Co- you know, remind myself. yeah yeah i have to constantly like remind myself why i like this city because sometimes like because this city isn't as like multicultural as other major cities that's why i hate it quite a lot because i'm just like mm. and like there's like it's like it's called the German stare. People love just staring at you mm. to the point. But the thing is, like when you make eye contact, they still keep staring. Like Ugh. they just don't stop. Even like I've even just like started frowning, being like you know moving my hands, being like, "What are you doing?" Like why? You, yeah, like, yeah. There's nothing to see exactly. here, and yet, and yet, I'm sure by doing that, they're like, "Well, now you're doing something." I'll keep exactly, staring. Exactly. Yeah, that's what they do here. So it's just like I kind of like don't like it in that sense. But I think I really hate it here. It's the main reason why I'd like. I say I hate it is because like London is so close and I'd rather just be in London. And I just so want to go back. close and yet so far away. Yeah, so far. We'll have to say like if they're staring at you, I hope part of your mentality is I must look really good because <laughs> you've got like you've got your bleach blonde hair moment. You have many a beautiful tattoo. I'm sure they're just admiring the beauty. Hopefully, hopefully, but yeah, I think usually. With, I, I sometimes just forget that I do look the way I look. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably why they're staring. Or use, um, or have I like, put like quite elaborate makeup on or something. Um, yeah. I forget about that, but yeah. It's funny I, because like when you run in the circles and you have the friends that we have, like even, even like we don't look that 
crazy or different than anyone else that you forget like oh yeah the rest of the world's pretty boring when it comes to like visual appearance Mm. yeah definitely like um i currently work as a nanny just like to pay the bills at the moment and they moved about like an hour away from the city and i got off the train and it's just like people just all turned and looked and i was like oh yeah okay i i i I know where i am now like i i do stand out here quite a bit so you also nanny and care for children yeah so i look after two young boys they're very cute um but yeah so i'm a nanny study cybersecurity, dj help run eastern margin um yeah. what else oh yeah i'm, I'm an editor-in-chief now as well um eastern oh, margins came out with like my captain my captain <laughs> what are you editing um so eastern margins have finally come out with an editorial platform oh nice because i'm sick and tired of the lack of authentic representation for East and Southeast Asian people in the underground music scene. Mm. Everything that I read that's on, like, you know, the bigger platforms, it's either just people writing about Asian people with, like, you know, the white gaze in mind. I hate that. It's just, yeah, like, you know... Always. It's, like, they write us in the way that we have to, like, fit what white people can understand about, like, mm. our music and stuff. And that just, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't stand reading that anymore. Also, lots of these publications used to just, like, knock back my pictures being like, oh, this is not really the material we're looking for. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Make my own platform. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm just working on building that at the moment. have, like, written some reviews. I'm working closely with one of my um, internet friends who's a great writer, and he's based out in the Bay Area in America. Oh, so holla. That's where I'm from. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Silicon Valley realness. Oh, if your mom doesn't work at Apple, do you even live in the Bay? <laughs> I loved it. Um, but yeah, so there's that, and then I think that's what, I think that's everything I do. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about because you know I think our listeners would be interested to know, especially if they found their way into listening to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about Eastern Margins and your involvement. Um, so Eastern Margins is essentially a platform for East and Southeast Asian artists in the music scene. Um, I found them on Instagram through a DJ Stingray event like years ago when I was just scrolling Instagram, and I just like stalking this event saw that um. One of the DJs in the lineup, Lumi, who he's he started East of Margins, mm-hmm. and I found him, and then I found the East of Margins Instagram, which is like, oh, like this thing growing with Australia. There are always like lots of Asian people around, but none of us were actually really represented in music, and like you know, I never saw like anyone that looked like me mm-hmm. behind the DJ booth or anything like that. So when I saw East of Margins, I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, is this, is this real? Do people, is this a real thing? Is there actually a platform for people that like look like me? Um, so it turned out to be real. I sent them a DM being like, hey, I've got lots of experience, like running club nights and stuff like that. You should let me join. They said yes. <laughs> they were just like, yep, we're not even going to like argue with you Perfect. or anything like that. That's the type of audition we like. Exactly. That is literally the first time ever. In the music scene, I think at that point I'd quit like the music scene three times. Um, was always like gay kept from everything. It was the first time ever since I was like I think I started in the music scene when I was like nineteen and how old was I at the time? Like maybe like twenty five at the time. And that was the first time no one ever questioned like anything. They just like let me they were like, Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fine and I was like, Wow, this is like what I needed. Um, so yeah, I joined them. I like do a lot of work with our like safe space policy and making sure our events are as inclusive as possible. 
Um, I help curate the lineups for all of our all of our gigs, our shows. Um, I was the one that was like, we need to work with Bit and Peach back when I was living in London. So like that was yeah. that was me as well. Um, and I do what else do I do? I, I curate the NTS show, so do the radio stuff, um, host it. What ad, admin work? Email. It's all um, admin, isn't it? No one, really no is. one realizes how much admin goes into like creative collectives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're only in it for the the like the the product that we make, the you know the show or the mix or the DJ set. Yeah. They don't realize how many spreadsheets. Oh, it we takes. had so many spreadsheets, like to the point where I mean, I was I don't really like spreadsheets, but now I actually make my own spreadsheets because I realize yes. it is a lot easier to manage things. Um, and then, yeah, it's just like a lot of emailings, um, I guess like scouting people for our label, organizing label releases and then, just, oh yeah. And like social media work, just like everything. I feel essentially, I guess, do it all. startup and like, I just do it all. Like, it's a very startup vibe where you have to like upskill yeah. all the time just because yeah. you need to get something done. Like I need to mm-hmm. teach myself Photoshop eventually. So that I can help out with flyers, and I'm, you know, learning web developing to build a website too. So it's like there's and a lot. And then to once it. you have the website, you'll be able to hack cyber protect it from hackers, from true. the racist hackers that, that are going to be after us. Exactly. I, ca- I actually yeah. can do that now. Like I know yeah. how to stop this. So yeah. I'm so curious. Are there some dates in the diary for live things happening now that? things are open again um i know we're part of migration matters festival um next i mean which is at which is it's in it's in sheffield and it should be oh um should be like next weekend i think that's the thing there's a there's a, a few of us so i'm not involved myself personally so the dates just like slip my mind yeah. Um, I am trying to work on an event in November. I can't reveal too much at the moment, but we are Ooh, collaborating okay. with some crews in London, such as cool. Dayton. So that's as much as I'll say. Okay. But there'll okay. be, um, yeah, so there's, uh, hopefully there's an event in November that will be a more, a physical space one. I am in the process of emailing venues and it has been like quite a nightmare actually. Because London, the date kept getting pushed back and all the venues are very confused. Oh and it's just like, it's like very chaotic. Oh, that, that's like the most calm way to describe it. <laughs> chaotic is like the softest description of everything going on right now. To me, it is pure chaos. It is chaos magic, Wanda. Oh, I can imagine. I've been, I've been seeing like photos and everything. I was just like, I, was, I can't believe it. I was just like, wow, the UK looks kind of like intense right now so hopefully it calms down by the time i move back well that's what i'm hoping will happen um fingers crossed and i'm trying to think and we have some so yeah physical events there might be one in november and then we we're organizing some online streams still because we've found that online streams have been quite good and it's been quite good for us to connect with like a lot of people around the world like artists out in asia and like diaspora so yeah few bits coming out that's really good because it's been interesting to see what industries and what communities have been able to like embrace online performance or not necessarily performance, but online, just transferring their work onto the internet. Because I found that like when it comes to drag performance and cabaret performance, that for me personally, transferring things online was like 
nope, Mm. this don't do anything for my soul. And it really made me just like in the way that you were rethinking your career and trying to think of what might be more sustainable. I was like, I need to think about that too. I need to think about making some, some changes in the balance of my income because if things were to... If things had to go back online for whatever reason, fingers crossed that doesn't happen anytime soon, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to to transfer my 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 performance onto the internet. It just it just didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's happened with a lot of people I know as well. It's just like like some people just found it really difficult to um put things online, which it makes sense to me. I think personally I kind of don't mind the onlineness because I'm a bit of an introvert and I'm like terrified of crowds and all that kind of stuff. And like the idea of like DJing to a lot of people is still very frightening. So at least if it's online, it's like, yeah, I just upload it and then just never look at it again. <laughs> uh-huh. But that's like, you know, I think that that's more like my personality though. But I mean, like, it must mean people are having lots of dance parties in their bedrooms and stuff at home listening to the sets. I hope so. I mean, I, 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 I tried doing that a little bit, but I, um, yeah. That made me feel a little bit sad, just being at home by myself. I'm just like, oh, I kind of, I kind of miss the club. But I think I, I like, it's been good for, like, um, I've never had such a selection of mixes to listen to whilst going to supermarket shopping. That I appreciate. <laughs> I'm just like, who am I going to listen to tonight? Wow, too many people to choose from because everyone was uploading mixes. So you're okay. I mean, you sound. I know that you were like, I don't know if Berlin's the place for me, but if you're listening to <laughs> DJ mixes while you're doing your grocery shopping, like stomping down the aisles, <laughs> I feel like you must fit right in. <laughs> Definitely, just like actually, the area that I live in is a lot of like young families, so I'll just be standing there in like the freezer section, you know, nodding my head, and they're just like doing like like gun things and stuff as well something i like picked up in the uk <laughs> and then just like mom would look at me and be like what is she doing like why <laughs> like what is happening in the in the dairy yeah, exactly. aisle right like, now occasionally just yell out like why or something and then it's just like <laughs> yeah. i've done that a few times for sure i'm so glad we wear masks at the supermarket now oh, so that's yeah i mean one thing i do like about masks is i can lip sync to songs and no one knows mm. yeah yeah exactly i can go for exactly. it under my yeah, mask I'm I will probably keep the mask once, like you know, a girl's had any sober. Well, but. yeah. What is the? What is the? Is there a time frame released by the German government saying when you're going to be allowed to start doing things uh, again? The German German news is very confusing in general, and the way the well, German, it's because it's in German and yeah. you don't speak it <laughs> exactly. So that that's an <laughs> obstacle there, and then the Google Chrome translation is just like, what is this? Yeah. Now, Germany's been very confusing because the way the parliament operates as well is that, like, everyone has to, like, agree with everything and it takes forever. And I think there was, like, this one point during the pandemic where for, like, a month it was just back and forth in the news about what restrictions were in place and whether or not they were going to have restrictions and then where there were going to mm-hmm. be restrictions and then which state wouldn't yeah. agree and which state agreed. And I'm just thinking, like, the cases are skyrocketing. Like, why, why are you arguing about this? Yeah. So I'm not too sure what's going on at the moment. Pretty much I just walk into a shop and if they say, like, I can't come in, I leave. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I think for now um, – Everything's like we have. We all have to wear the FFP2 masks. We can't wear like cloth masks at all. We have to wear the proper ones. Oh, there are wow. COVID bikes everywhere giving out tests. So they're, and they're free as well. So you can get tested pretty much on any street corner at the moment. Um, restaurants are allowing you to go in if you have like 
if you have your vaccination or a negative test, but you can sit outside without being tested. But I think restrictions are still going to be in place. And I think according to like me looking at people's Instagram content, open air gigs are back. But whether or not we can actually go clubbing ah. inside, I'm not too sure. I don't. I don't think there's like a timeline that the German government is like planning to do. But having said that, I don't think I've looked at the news, like German news at least, in like a few weeks because, like I said. Don't speak German, don't know what's going on. <laughs> and honestly, from the time that we record this to the time that it's released, it could all yeah, have changed exactly. again. Like, you know, just, it, like things change so quickly within two weeks. I still remember like a few weeks ago, I was so stressed out about Germany and I was like, oh, my case is arriving, what am I going to do? And then now I'm just like, oh, okay, it's all right. Like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Again like, for a moment. Okay, maybe, maybe this will be all right for like the next two weeks. I want to take a moment to rewind us back out of pre-pandemic vibes and think about little, little Jacks during the developmental years in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Australia, as you were coming into your own and looking around the world, who can you recall as being the most memorable or, or just like first Asian icon to enter into your psyche? Um, so I, I thought about this and then I realized it was this, like, it's this cartoon character that I used to watch as a kid. He was my first uh-huh. ever Asian icon because, like, I remember buying his DVDs when I was a kid in China off, like, these uncles that would have their bikes as, like, bootleg DVDs on the side of the street and they'd sell it. And I got <laughs> told that this was, like, a funny um, anime that I should watch. Uh, so I bought it, watched it every single school holidays for at least five years of my life. Like, I used to, like, quote all the episodes and stuff like that. Um, have you heard of Shin Chan? Like, um, or they call him like Crayon Shin Chan. No. So he, it's, he's, this, the TV show, the anime is literally about like a kindergartner kid and he's very funny and he's very like cheesy, probably a bit too flirty for a three year old child as well. Um, and I actually got him tattooed on my stomach recently. So I figured he was probably like the most iconic figure in my life. Oh, wow. Because I got him tattooed on my stomach. <laughs> I'm gonna put the research team, which is oh, it's that yeah, kid. Yeah, that kid. Yes, yeah. The little kid with the like big eyes and kind of the funny face shape. Yeah, really thick Red eyebrows. Shirt. Yeah, yellow shorts. Yeah, classic fashion. Called, he's either called Shin Chan or Crayon in Chinese. He's called La Bi Xing, which La Bi, if you translate that to English, means crayon, and Xing is like his name. Yeah. So. Yeah, like loads of kids um, watched it in China and me growing up in Australia, I was like, oh, I want to like connect more with like my Chinese culture and stuff like that. So I just like asked around whenever I went back to China what TV shows everyone else was watching and hoped that the uncles on the bike on the street were selling them. And they were. Had Cran Shin Chan. Yeah. Yes, I think I think all of our listeners would recognize this character. Yeah, if, if they you were look to it up, you, you definitely do. So what's the what's the vibe? What's his vibe? He's, He's cheeky, a child. Yeah, but... He's very cheeky. Because, yeah, the show is, like, set in um, Japan. Like, the original version, the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's very cheeky. He's, like, he's always, like, you know, he's very flirty. He's always, like, dressing up in little costumes and stuff like that. And he's just really Drag. funny. Like, I, yeah, he does that quite a bit, actually, in this show. And I really appreciate that as a kid. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, it just feels like there's, like, something about his sense of humor that was, it was, like, very obvious but really, really funny as well. Uh, I haven't watched it recently as an adult. I just remember as a kid just thinking it was, like, the most hilarious show ever. And, yeah, I think I just really liked it because, like, 
I don't know. It's because like, I think I watched it on school holidays. So I was just like, oh, it's like I'm at school with him in a way. Because, um, yeah, most school holidays, because uh, yeah, my parents are so busy at work, I kind of just spent most school holidays alone. So it's just nice to have him about and make me laugh. Like a good friend. Yeah, he was a good friend. When you, when you look up um, him on Google Images, there's a lot of images of his butt. Yeah, well, <laughs> And there's even some, like, of his crotch. Is there an elephant? Yeah, okay, I was going to say it's a face. <laughs> it's an elephant? I'm confused. Yeah, it's this, it's this joke that he makes. Um, which I thought this joke was really funny as a kid because, you know, I was a child, um, where he's like, you know, penis is like a trunk of an elephant and he like draws the elephant around oh. and he just does that. <laughs> um, <sighs> which, yeah, I, I think like, you know, if these shows like stand the test of time, maybe not. Would I show this show to my kids? Probably not. Or like, I'll explain it. <laughs> But yeah, that's just like, it's just like, I guess the cheeky sense of humor. Wow. Elephant dick. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, honestly. I can, I get it. I get it. Well, I think for me, it's just like, it's a three-year-old kid doing this. So it's just it's like, um, I think like context. Yeah. yeah, context is important. I mean, apparently when I was a very small child, I described my own genitals as a flower. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Soft, beautiful, feminine penis flower. <laughs> I love that. I was like, yeah, the kids that I look after, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but, like, the stuff that they say sometimes, I'm like, wow. Okay, let's just move on and just continue on our day. <laughs> so, yeah, I think kids are really funny in the way they kind of just, like, talk about, or the way they express themselves with their bodies, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, they don't have as many um, preconceived notions about, like, what is and yeah. isn't appropriate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that, that like, what is and isn't appropriate, that, that Shinken, that he really embodies that. Mm. He's just like, no, nah, I'm going to do whatever I want. And so you were like, yeah, th- this is going to be me when I grow up. I'm going to just <laughs> embrace that that exactly. dangerous line between appropriate and completely inappropriate. <laughs> just be who I am, be funny, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> my two personality traits, funny and myself. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a big uh, anime watcher in your youth, or was this like the one that you got off the uncles on the bicycle, and that was like in it for you? No, this one was the only anime I watched, mainly because I think it was more just like growing up in Australia. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're Asian, you must watch every single anime. Like, name them all." And I'd be like, "Name no. them and all." Then I, think, <laughs> I think in my mindset, I was like, "No." I have to assimilate to whiteness. I can only watch The Simpsons. Like, it was oh like, that God, was like my Simpsons. mindset going up. Yeah, so that's what I used to watch. And then I actually read, like, I guess, is it rediscovered or discovered anime during lockdown one? And now I'm like quite into it. Oh. Um, so it's been quite cool. I've watched some animes, really, really enjoyed them. There's one, I just, I love how like the character development in some of them, well, the way they write their stories. I think the, one of my favorites is like, Haikyuu, which is about a high school volleyball team. I was in tears over teenage boys playing high school volleyball. I was like, what, what is this writing? Why is it so good? You're like, am I just mentally and emotionally unstable or is this really good? Yeah, I was like, oh my god, this is getting me through. Maybe it was lockdown. I was like, I need to know if this team wins by next week because I don't, I think lockdown's being extended. Lockdown <laughs> so, was, lockdown was hard and I feel like a lot of people turn to, to anime for oh. extra support and attention. I certainly did. I, from this beginning of lockdown to now, have watched four 
um, I've started the fifth season of the original Sailor Moon animated series. Oh, wow. But like the original series was very um, the the like the structure is what what has become nicknamed as Monster of the Week, I see. where like almost every episode is just like the villain unleashes a new monster. It's defeated by the end of the episode. Like the structure is pretty much the same in almost every episode mm. but you can't skip any because it's going to be the one you skip where that little bit of actual narrative importance is revealed uh, i see i see because i'm very committed okay, yeah I, that's on my list of animes to watch that's really, i know like the sailor moon imagery but i wouldn't know what the show was about at all i i, I was under the impression it was just about like space travel or something but <laughs> there's sometimes a little bit of space travel when they are in space they usually can breathe which wow. i find a bit confusing but they are like moon princesses okay, so who cool. knows in the in the fifth season there's three boys who come to their school who are an idol group mm. they're called like the three lights i think they're called and they're like these these sexy desirable pop boys mm. but it's yet to be revealed but it's very obvious to the audience they're also sailor scouts so they transform into beautiful women in oh, bikinis no, okay. wow. Love that. <laughs> so there's yeah. some transness yeah. in season five which is thrilling to me there was also a little bit of transness in season four but they were villains mm. now we get heroes who are trans so i'm like yes sailor moon i will take that and I will run with it. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, they no, definitely will watch that one because I'll bump it up my list. So, wait, what was the name of the volleyball one? Haiku. Haiku. Yeah. Haiku. I think it's on Netflix, okay. I'm pretty sure. Oh, because there's a lot of good anime on Netflix. I think there's another one. Like, um, another one I've been meaning to watch is like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I've been told that one's really good. Mm-hmm. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has actually already been added into the Queer Asian Pokedex. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I saw that actually when I was looking through the Instagram. Yeah. yeah. I have have yet to watch it but samantha sun described it as kind of like these rippling fashion twinks who are oh i think they're all vampires as well oh, yeah okay well, i like that. i was thinking like about that. vampires today i'm in the midst of writing um some some text for a variety cabaret show coming up and one of the characters is maybe going to be a vampire and i'm like what does one say about vampires besides like they're obviously gay <laughs> true deadly true <laughs> were you, I'm curious, I, I avoided it, but were you part of the vampire mm. craze of 2006, was it, or 2007 and 8? Was that when Twilight came out? Yeah, it was, was around Twilight, that it was fucking, there was that TV show Vampire Diaries. I feel like, mm. oh, Jennifer's Body, I think, came out around that time as well. Oh. Jennifer's Body is an incredibly underrated movie. Have you seen it? I actually haven't, but I've heard it's amazing. It's very it's really lesbian, good. Right? It's really, yes, I think that's probably why I like it so much. It's really, really good. Like, I can't believe people hated on it so much. But in regards to, like, the vampire's craze, um, I would say no, because I, I do remember breaking up with, like, my high school boyfriend because he made me watch the second Twilight movie twice at the cinema. Oh, And I was my. like, it's over. Were you like, like I'm God. sorry, darling, I believe you're gay. <laughs> 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 Which there's nothing wrong with. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what I should have said, but I think at the time, I think, I, yeah, I ghosted him. This was before ghosting was, like, a, a, oh. a word. I just... He's, you invented ghosting. Yeah, maybe I invented ghosting. Yeah, he, I remember him posting on my like my Facebook wall back when when Facebook was a wall. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then he, yeah, and I just never replied, never replied to his text. And it was just like, yeah, after seeing a clip again, I was like, I'm wasting my time. Like, what is this? I don't, I don't like this Twilight stuff. You were like, you were like, the moon has eclipsed our love. <laughs> it's gone. It's so long farewell. But yes. So I'm curious because like, I think, I think I would say like vampires maybe fit in kind of the romantic fantasy world. I feel like you, being a hacker, you're probably more of a sci-fi type person. Yes, definitely. I, I'm like quite into science fiction. Not so, actually, you know what? I don't read enough science fiction for someone that's into science fiction, but I do write science fiction. You write science fiction. Yeah, like, I mean, amongst all the things that I do, when I do have like a spare minute or so, I try and like write some science fiction. Because, yeah, I think like, part, I don't know, I think part of me is just like a little bit, not, I wouldn't say obsessed is the right word, because it's just so around me so much, but just like, you know how, as society continues on, you're just like, we're heading, like, if we're, we're in a dystopian, for sure, in my opinion, like. Oh, yeah. So I kind of oh, yeah. just, like, think of things that, to me, make, not only it funny, but it's just like, oh, imagine if it went like this, like, I think, um, for example, like, when something freaks me out, I try and, like, think of, like, a sci-fi kind of story, and then make it, like, a bit less frightening, in a way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can give you an example. So, like, surveillance. Surveillance really freaks me out because I'm just, like, we're being watched, like, all the time. Like, you know, CCTV. They're yeah, watching exactly, us right exactly. now. Exactly. People can access just, like, like the video footage and all that kind of stuff. So, surveillance really freaks me out. Um, so, then I thought of like, this idea where, like, the surveillance state gets, like, so bad that people start, and then um, people start normalizing, like, plastic surgeries. Because, you know, how we've got, like, face, like, those, these filters everywhere all the time, like, changing our faces. Yeah. So, then, yeah. like. Yeah. Plastic surgery gets really normalized to the point that we can just do it at home and then it gets to the point where you can buy like um, you know, you can like bid on like facial like noses or like eyes or something that you want and you can just fix it up at home because like medicine's developed to that point. Whoa. Like it sounds very, very scary, like and it's a bit frightening. However, the stories that I'm writing about is like what what dating would be like. Like you meet someone, ah. you think they're cute, and then like six months later, it's like, who are you? Like that. So I, I think of the so the the kind of the creepy dystopian technology future is more like the backdrop. Yeah, yeah. For kind of your slightly less intense, or maybe slightly more lighthearted and yeah, funny yeah, exactly. stories to take place. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that, that's like the, the kind of stories that I try and like work on as well. I like I wrote I have like another one which is that like humans being collected by aliens and then the end it, it's long but the end is like the person like the main character just refuses to be collected because you can't take your cat on board the, the spaceship so she has to stay yeah. for the cat yes i mean <laughs> i feel like i know many people that that would be the case for them yeah i think i, I mean i mean that did base the character on me a little yeah. bit and yeah i would be like meaning of life and finding out why humans exist or my cat the cat definitely yeah, the cat, the cat. Yeah, exactly. The cat loves you sometimes. Exactly, exactly. So, so, like, so what would you say, maybe, like, if Black Mirror was kooky? Yeah, exactly. I think if Black Mirror was a bit more, like, lighthearted, you know? Yeah. Like, focused on, like, you know, people's, like, real problems. Like, I would, like, in the whole surveillance dystopian state or whatever, I think I would be annoyed if the person I was dating completely changed their look to not be, like, someone that I was, like, as attracted to or something. It's like, you know, why have you done this? Things are going well. Like, yeah. Not to sound completely shallow. But no, like. but that is confusing because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, if someone 
wanted to change something about the way they look. It's like, you have to wonder, are they doing it because it truly does make them happier to look that way? Or is it because they're trying to bend to society standards of beauty? Or are they changing it because they want you to be more attracted to them? Or maybe they want other people to be more attracted? Like, who are they doing it for? Is it for them? Or is it for other people? Mm. And that could be that's true of, of any, you know, plastic surgery changes that people are making now not not even necessarily yeah. in in your version of this future where we can yeah, do it at home exactly or even just like some things like you know like even like the way we express ourselves like the hair and makeup and stuff like that like my mom's always like she's always lecturing me about all my tattoos and stuff like that she's like oh these people like people aren't going to like you i'm like no the right people will yeah like don't don't worry the right people will you know, your friends don't, but I'm not exactly friends with your friends, so that's fine, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's just maybe, maybe I'll like go a bit deeper into like, I guess how people explore, explore like self-expression as well with these like stories that I write. Yeah. If I have more time, yeah. So I'm actually, I'm a bit curious because you do have lots and t- lots of tattoos. Like, would you consider yourself to have sleeves? Yeah. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. Full arms. I mean, like, I still have, like, some major gaps on my arms, but I think, like, both arms are mostly tattooed. Most of my chest is done, and same with my stomach, and maybe, like, 75% of one leg Whoa. is done. And then I've got my back free because I've actually got, like, the best back piece that I want to get tattooed, and the tattoo artist is out in um, the Bay Area oh, again. Oh, right. So we're just so waiting for that's why we got to go to the Bay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I really, I'll let I really you know when I'm going. Yeah. Oh, we, we can, can take yeah. the flight. Well, we can't take the flight together. Well, it depends. We, maybe we you'll could. be here by then. Exactly. We can go together, split an Uber from the airport, you know. Split an Uber. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Um, but yeah, heavily, quite heavily tattooed, I think, I guess. And is there like um, a common theme of your tattoos? Is there like specific things that you try to draw on or is it is it, you know, artist to artist based? I think the common theme is sometimes I just literally feel like a tattoo. So I'll walk, look up an artist like, yeah, that design's fine. Why not? Because I think when, my, when I first got a tattoo, I was like, oh, this will have so much meaning. I'll carry it with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. I got a lightning bolt tattooed down my ribs, and I can't even remember why. Like, I was 18 at the time. Don't remember. But it had anymore. such intense meaning at the time, didn't yeah, it? You yeah, like, exactly. It represents my soul yeah. and my, my aspirations. I think it was my aspirations, actually, because it was just like, I think at that point in time, I thought it'd be a good idea to, like, essentially you know be a bit a, a knock and like do finance or something and make lots of money and get power and stuff because like my parents are just like you need to do that and I was like yeah okay sure. power and then that's not me at all anymore um so I think after that experience I was just like you know what I'll just get whatever I do have like quite funny tattoos and some of them are just like um few joke tattoos for sure that I just like yeah this would be really funny I should get it tattooed yeah. Lots of, like, a few tattoos where I'll go to someone's house and then, you know, we'll get a bit wavy and then someone, like, either pulls out a stick and pokes it or pulls out yeah. a tattoo gun. I'm like, yeah, all right, why not? Um, my recent one that I got in Berlin, um, it's actually, like, quite cool. I quite like it because I've, I've always wanted something, like, red that kind of... And it's right, it's right peaking above your your neckline so yeah. you can see it. Yeah, yeah, at all times. yeah. I did because I've got two tattoos on my face, but they're on my the side of my face. So this is like one of my most visible tattoos. Uh-huh. Um, but I always wanted so I think for me, I always wanted like a Chinese word um, on my neck, but I didn't 
want anything with meaning. I didn't want anything that people could translate and stuff like that because, like, I, I didn't know what I actually wanted on my next. I knew it would lose the meaning eventually. Uh-huh. Um, but I met up with this tattoo artist here, and he's Chinese as well. And he was just showing me um, these designs that he had. And he's just like, oh, yeah, this is just, like, ancient Chinese scripture, but it has, like, no meaning. It's just pure aesthetic. I was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. that's exactly what I want. Put it on my neck right there. You're like, yep, pure aesthetic, that's me. Yeah. No meaning, fine. Yeah. And he was just like, are you sure? Like, yes, yeah, let's go. And he's just like, okay, fair enough. Um, and there's like two little dragons and stuff as well. Oh, stunning. That's like one of my favorite tattoos. It's quite, I really, really like it, which is probably a good thing because it is like smack bang. Because it's my very neck, visible, as neck, you yeah. said, yeah. And um, do you have a lot of tattoos of Asian origin uh, or aesthetic? No, not really, actually. Like, but like most of my tattoos, um, I it's, I guess it's like traditional tattoos, like you know the panther, the rose, and stuff like that. Um, and then I think I like I think I do like to explore different tattoo styles. So I've got quite a lot of traditional ones, got a few like avant garde type designs as well. Um, I do have like a Chinese dragon that's like on like on my neck mm. as well, mm. which I have because that's my granddad's zodiac sign. Ah, yeah, so I got that there because like it's just you know I think a lot of I think people say that like oh yeah you know dragon tattoo. I was like no, I just want to have my granddad close to my heart, so that's why he's there. What's your zodiac sign? A rooster. Ah, rooster. What's yours? I'm year of the goat or the ram, Ooh, depending okay. on. I love the goat. Depending on who you ask. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. My family, like, I always had good things about goats. I think my, my family always didn't really like people that had, like, snakes as their zodiac, which kind of makes sense. But I, yeah, I don't really know too much Those about, poor about snake the snake people. <laughs> what a bad <laughs> reputation. Right, but yeah, I don't really know too much about uh, the Chinese zodiac. All I know is my mom told me she was like, oh yeah, you're a rooster and you were born in the evening, which means, like, you don't have to work that hard in life to get where you want. And I'm just like, excuse me? You sure? <laughs> pretty tough doing what i need to do like i don't i don't think that's true of anyone unless you're born wealthy and white. yeah exactly exactly i was like well come on like immigrant working class i'm not mad like i'm not male like yeah it's hard like mom like that's that's not the right mentality to drill into me like you're not gonna have to work that hard to get what you want that also feels like anti-asian parent vibes I know, right? And I just like, and also she was such a hypocrite because she worked me so hard as a kid. Like, she made me go swimming at like 5 a.m. every morning. Oh, I had to do so whoa. much studying. I played like piano three hours a day. Classic. Oh, were, yep, you a, like, were you an extracurricular kid? Yeah, very. Too many extracurriculars. Like, all of them. People ask me which ones I did. I'm like, literally all of them. Piano? <laughs> yeah, piano, orchestra, choir. Um, xylophone ensemble, play the clarinet for a little xylophone bit. Xylophone well. ensemble. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. I will re- cut this out of the recording, but a child was like running down the street and, and like completely face planted. But they're not crying, so they're oh, fine. No, they yeah. Cry. Little Asian girl, actually. Oh, her what shoe is way over there. <laughs> You've got crazy children at your window, and I've got crazy children at mine as well. Yeah, they're just all, they're all out there. There's this, you know, the streets that they run the streets. They truly do. They run the streets. These <laughs> hooligans. Are you the like grumpy Asian lady shouting out the window? No, but I am the grumpy Asian nanny shouting at the kids in the playground. Be like, come yeah. back! Stop running away! Um, did the children that you take care of speak English, yeah, or they do. do you? Yeah, 
I've, I've been hired for my English speaking purposes. Oh, yeah. so you're supposed to like help them get better at English? Yeah, as well. pretty much. Yeah, the mom speaks German to them, and the dad, who's German, speaks um, English to them, and I'm just there speaking. Actually, I taught the kids oh. to be like, "Hey, mate!" Like, straight. They literally say it in like Australian accents. Really oh my funny. god, I love that. Teach them the real culture. <laughs> okay, Jax, we've come to a very important part of the podcast. Like, this is kind of the very intense duty that has been gifted upon us. This is our responsibility as queer Asian icons and creators of culture. It's our job to decide what items, what cultural artifacts are the most important queer Asian items, people, places, foods, things that should be documented from now until eternity in what I call the queer Asian Pokédex. And I'd love to know if you have one or more or more suggestions of what needs to go into this historical document. I thought about it. It was like it was quite tricky to like figure out what what to pick. But I did finally narrow it down to one song. Have you? It's, it's called Tian Mi Mi by Teresa Tang. I mean, I know the artist, but I don't think I know the specific the song. Mi, it's like, it was very, very popular. Um, like my family like listened to it um, when I was growing up. It was like probably one of the only song, like only pieces of music that I would hear in the house. Yeah, weirdly, my parents aren't into music. Like we never had music in the house. Not into music. Yeah. What the hell does oh, that I, mean? I don't know. Like they, I mean, they got me to play piano because essentially it's easy to get scholarships when you play piano. Like that's what that's what they did it for. But yeah, they never really listened to any music except for this one song. And the lyrics are really nice. It's just literally about someone with a very sweet smile, and they're very sweet. Um, and like, yeah, the direct translation of the word, of the song title just means like very sweet in a nice way. Um, so yeah, it's quite a beautiful song and I figured it's iconic because so many people know it. Like, and I also really like this song because it is the title of one of my favorite films. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the film. So there's also a film. Yeah, there's a film called Tiemimi, but the English translation is Comrades Almost a Love Story. Um, which that does not sound like a direct translation. Yeah, I know. I was very confused by it the whole time. But this song is like, um, it's what brings this couple together in this movie. Oh, Maggie Chung is in the yeah, movie. Yeah, and I, I was like, Leon, his name's Leon Lai as well. Yeah, he's in it too. And I remember like watching, like watching this film. I, I like, I, my opinion, it's like what, a, like it's like a good bisexual, like as a bisexual watching this film, I'm like, huh. Nice. I'm, I'm hoping both of them have a good, like, you know, both of them win right now. So, like, I quite enjoyed that film. It was, like, what, it's actually one of my favorite romance movies as well. So, yeah, I figured I'd choose that song because I'm sure this song would play a part in, like, a lot of people's romances. Wow. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like not only does the Teresa Tang song need to go into the Queer Asian Pokedex, but so does the film. I mean, I do. I was, I, I was actually going to suggest the film at first. But I think it, it it should it should be more the song because. Um, but guess what? Mm. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. Well, yeah, if both can be included, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I quite I quite like that. That movie, I actually remember stumbling across it on Chinese TV like a few years back, um, and just like I think, yeah, the song drew me in. I was like, oh, this song is in this movie. I wonder what this movie is because it is the song. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's named after the song. Yeah, yeah, and then it, the, even Teresa Tang features in it. She is like part of the plot almost. Oh, 
Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like she's in it or they just talk about her like the song exists within the world the, of the film. The song, it, it, like it exists within the world. I think it just, it's like set in the time where like Teresa Chang was quite popular. If I say any more, it will just spoil the whole movie. So I won't say any more. Okay. But Teresa Chang okay. brings people together. <laughs> Teresa Chang bringing people together since 19... 19- when was she that like 1960s or 1960s? 70s, 80s. No, I feel like 1970s, yeah. 80s. So I remember like my mom, like, actually, no, I did some research on Teresa Tay because her, because like, um, because China just wasn't allowing like pop music and stuff during like the Cultural Revolution or that time. Mm-hmm. People would actually smuggle in her tapes into China and like sell it in the underground. And she was, she's literally one of like, an OG underground artist. Whoa, wait, so where, wait, so she... Oh, wait, and I, I remember more, because, like, sorry. sorry no, 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 I'm like, interested. Um, at the time, the person that was in charge of China was Deng Xiaoping, and then because Ter- Teresa Tang, um, I think Tang is the Cantonese pronunciation of her surname, so the Mandarin pronunciation is Deng, so I think people used to call Deng Xiaoping, like, the leader of the day, and Teresa Tang the leader of the night, with her, like, pop music oh. they would literally just smuggle it into china that way because yeah my mom says she'd like never really listened to that song because um she just couldn't get it at all and i think it was more just like later in her life and like more well, maybe she actually like went to australia actually where like she could discover chinese music a bit more um that's when she like first found it but yeah Teresa tang she was really really popular in mainland china but never actually played live there. but she was because t- she was taiwanese yeah i think so yeah wow yeah i'm looking i did a little research mm. yeah she was, uh, her career, I guess, kind of looks like it started in the 70s. Yeah. Mm. All the way through to the 90s. Yeah, yeah. She was like, yeah, she was quite prolific. And I think, yeah, I remember looking her out for a little bit and I was like really happy to hear that she was technically like an underground artist in China because a lot of the music stuff that I do now is considered like underground music. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, you know, look, look how cool we are. We have like three vinyl press of this track like it's so red i'm just like Teresa tang was the og like on the ground you would never be you'll uh, never be Teresa tang yeah, you'll exactly. never be as underground as she was <laughs> mm-hmm. wow but yeah so i think that's probably like a good a good um and thing to am i not missing she died like very young yeah, I think it was on Asperger, wasn't it? It was like a respiratory illness that she passed oh, away. Oh, gosh. Yeah, which is very heartbreaking, which is also relevant to the film that I mentioned as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, the film definitely came out after yeah. her passing and was set in the past when she was big. Yeah. Oh, I've got to put this on my to-watch list. There's so many films that I want to watch, especially uh, films that coming out of like Hong Kong, so, so, movies not not so, songs movies like movies with maggie chong and uh wong kar wai films mm. but it's so hard to find subtitled movies on the internet oh yeah definitely it's just like i think I, I, the way i watch it is like closed caption and hope for the best just, yeah. just cross your heart and pray yeah literally and I'm, but that's the thing i like i'm grateful that like my parents spoke Chinese to me growing up because now I can kind of watch a lot of Chinese movies and just like mm-hmm. be okay with with like without having subtitles. I remember the first time I watched like uh Tiami Me like or like Comrades Always a Love Story, there were obviously like no subtitles on the Chinese TV. And then they would speak Cantonese in some parts of it as well and I'm just like, I don't know what's going 
on. Like, no idea. And even then, I was like, I don't know if I actually even understand, like, the Mandarin Chinese part. But I'm into the movie because, like, Leo and I are making Trump look really hot. So, I'll keep watching. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this This is an awakening for me. I don't need to know what's being said. I just need to look. I just need to have a good long look at these beautiful faces. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, what I need from you to do, what I need for you to do, is tell our listeners where they can track you down on the internet, if they so choose to do so. Well, I think the best way to reach me is probably via my Instagram, which the handle is Asian Girlfriend. (laughs) Everyone's Asian Girlfriend. Jax! Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's just like, even like, I was thinking about that handle the other day. I think like, for me, it started off as like a joke when I was like in my like early 20s and stuff, I guess. But now it's just like, I'm like, do I change it? Is it still me? I'm just going to keep it anyways. Well, even if you were to want to change it, I'd say keep it and make a new thing. But don't get rid of Asian Girlfriend because that's too good. To part yeah, with. exactly. You gotta exactly. hold tight, hold on to it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, I may as well just keep it. So yeah, Asian Girlfriend on Instagram is um, the best way to find me. Um, if you want to like email me about anything, just email at jmail.com. I do love receiving emails. Mm, and so professional. I mean, I have a Twitter account, but we don't need to go there. No, forget <laughs> about that. And then so, yeah. in our final moments of the podcast, I always ask our guests to leave our listeners with a goodbye in either a language that you speak or don't speak, or just a parting word of wisdom. Mm, okay, parting word of wisdom. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Um... <laughs> Which I can't tell if that's good or bad advice these days. I lead a very like chaotic life and have like, a lot of funny stories happening. Um, and I will I will try and say goodbye. I will try thank everyone for listening and goodbye in Chinese. Um podcast. Don't know how to say podcast in Chinese. Um podcast. I said I hope in the future we can listen to like speak in a podcast again kind of (laughs) that right there was the 24th episode of Bitten Peach Pod and at about an hour each that is a full day's worth of queer Asian chit chat for you to chomp down into next week is our 25th episode which is also going to be our season finale and we have something very exciting prepared for you If you've been enjoying Bitten Peach Pod, you can donate. You can give money so that we can keep doing this. And by we, I mean me, it's Shay Shay. You can pay me at paypal.me slash Shay Shay Show. Girl, you're Asian. You must watch every single anime. Like, name them all. 